Let me ask you, what did you have for breakfast this morning? For breakfast, um, coffee, just just coffee. <laughs> coffee as breakfast. You're not the yeah. first person to bring this up. I have to inquire, what is the deal with coffee for breakfast? I'm not a coffee drinker. Um, I don't know. I just, I'm not, I'm never hungry till like lunchtime. So mm. I don't know. I, coffee doesn't even really do anything for me anymore. It's just kind of, it's just a habit at this point. Hi, I'm Tim. Welcome to We're Only Human. This is a podcast celebrating the resiliency of the human spirit by exploring journeys of people from all walks of life. There are often little nuggets of wisdom we can find in another person's story that we can then apply to our own lives. We're not perfect. We're not alone. We're only human. Today, I'm joined by Chris Cruzy. He's a husband, father, a son, a brother. He was the second place winner on the 15th season of NBC's hit singing competition show, The Voice, back in 2018. And Chris, I think that's probably where so many people know you from. Um, I know you're from a small town in northern Wisconsin, always been playing, but I'm sure that put you kind of on the map. I'm looking at your story, though, and I was like, he's not an overnight success. You were playing 220 to 250 bar shows a year five, six, seven nights a week before you ever got on The Voice. Yeah. Where in the world did that work ethic come? I'm trying to calculate this in my head, and that's got to be, well, I mean, five, six, seven nights a week. Did you ever rest? Um, you know, it was uh, it was pretty crazy. I mean, I would play, you know, as much as I could. And uh, I guess at the time, I didn't even think much of it. Looking back, I'm like, I don't know if I could do that again. Um, <laughs> but... I mean, it just kind of, like, I started playing when I was really young, like, six years old, and I played some talent shows through school and stuff, and, uh, you know, once I got into college, you know, I was, I was, I was, I went to college for a private audio production school in Minneapolis, and, um, I'd come home on the weekends to northern Wisconsin, and I'd play bars, and I would, you know, just make my money for rent to stay in the cities, and after I graduated college, and, like, student loans kicked in and stuff, and I'm like, man, I need to... I need to step this up. So I, I just sat down and like bought one of those big, I, I'm doing hand motions. People can't see me, but I bought one of those huge calendars that like covers your whole desk, you know? Oh, and, I remember having one of those on my desk, like growing up in my room. At yeah. Home. <laughs> I always wanted one. Thought it was super cool. Went to office max and got one nice. and uh, just started cold calling bars. And I mean, cause I was, I was playing plenty, you know, like, I mean, <clears throat> at least once a weekend prior to that, but I, I knew I had to step it up. Um, so I just started cold calling places and I would just like Google search, um, live music, Wisconsin, Wednesday night, just to find bars that would have bands on Wednesday nights and, uh, you know, just started filling those gaps. And so, I mean, it got to the point where I was playing, I mean, June through August, I would play Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, two shows Saturday and an afternoon show on Sunday. Wow. That's amazing. And, um, yeah, it just kind of got crazy. So I, I would sit down and book book my entire year in a three week period, and so, you know, I, that it usually be in the spring, probably March or April, and uh, I'd sit down and all of a sudden, like my calendar was full, you know, and I'd just I'd just look at the visual of the calendar and see 
the open spots and start calling places and try to fill those. And once I got that filled, I'd move to the next open spot. And then like the downside of that is you get to August after you've booked yourself like that. And you're like, what was I thinking? This is way too much. Like, <laughs> what no, did I commit to? Yeah, no days off. And if I did, it'd be like a Monday and I'd sleep all day and then back to it Tuesday. Um, I wouldn't, I, I don't regret it. I mean, it's, it's a great way to get your chops up and kind of cut your teeth, if you will. I know that's an overused term, but... Um, sure. Did you, I think about every time, like this podcast, for example, I will reach out to guests that I'm super excited about. And I think, oh my gosh, I would love to talk to them. It'd be a great story to tell. And I send them an email or, you know, whatever, a tweet or a DM. And I think to myself, they're just going to say no. Like they're yeah. not going to want to talk to me. Did you, I mean, you're calling all these bars. Did you have any self-doubt or any, were you kind of like, oh no, this is, this is not going to happen. Or were you like confident, like I'm going to do it. It, uh, I had, I had both, uh, definitely like confidence where like, I mean, it, it took a little while, but I mean, you have to get used to, I mean, you, you probably know firsthand. I mean, you, in any kind of business like this, where you're trying to book appointments with people that you want to talk to or book a, you know, book a show with a venue. I mean, you're going to get told no a lot. (laughs) And, you know, for me, it's, it's, it started out as, you know, I would, it was probably like a three to one no to yes ratio. And, uh, it can be disheartening, but at the same time you can either sulk over it or just move on to the next one and, you know, get a yes. Um, yeah, I mean, that's, that's a huge part of this business is getting told no. I mean, we still get told no, you know, I mean, it's, it's not <laughs> going to true. Yeah. I, I like that. I can, I can see in your face, like you're not worried about that. Like you're not, it's part of the territory and I'm just going to keep going until I get my next DS and that's yeah. part of the game. Yeah, definitely. That's a good, I definitely, I would imagine that's a great skill to have in this business. Yeah, you got to you got to kind of I think it's important to be able to step back and look at it from an outside perspective for what it is, you know, because if like I could I could go on, you know, I was playing bars and all that stuff and then all of a sudden I'm I'm on TV and I've got, you know, 70,000 more followers than I used to have and like so you you could either look at that and be like, "Oh, I'm I'm on top of the world right now and I could do anything I want to," or you could be like you know, I mean, if you can step back and look at it for what it is, use those you use those tools that you've gained to to better your career and everything. But I mean, I don't know. Just I think that's I'm just in a roundabout way saying keep your head on straight and yeah. not get too full of yourself. And I mean, I don't know. I guess you. I think it's it's pretty humbling having like a wife and kids at home too. You know, because I mean, it didn't matter. I was on TV. I was home for like four days that summer I was out because I mean the voice is like a six month period like for filming and stuff it's a long time and my son was one and so I was gone for like almost six months of his oh gosh that had to have been hard on you second year of life yeah not not super fun but uh you know I'd be all this stuff we'd go out in public when I was home and it'd be all this craziness and people wanted pictures and stuff and then we'd get home and my son would poop in his diaper and it's like well I still got to change poopy diapers so (laughs) it's it's not that different that's a great way to keep perspective. <laughs> I don't know. It's, I don't know. It's, uh, I hope, I don't think it went to my head or anything. And I, I've tried really hard to not, not let anything, I mean, cause any level of success, I guess is great. It depends on, you know, but I'm not, you know, it's not like I went, it wasn't like, uh, it was definitely life changing, but it wasn't like I went from 
being this small town bar band guy to, you know, being Dirk Bentley, you know? <laughs> sure. When you were doing the voice then and your son is just, just a year old, were you struggling with kind of like pursuing, you know, I mean, that's a huge opportunity for what you've worked for. Um, but were you kind of struggling with, oh my gosh, my son's at home. I'm going to be away for months. I mean, this is like the, uh, the very, the golden years of, you know, their, their development and stuff. Yeah, absolutely. Um, that was tough, but, uh, you know, before I even went out there, I talked to my wife and I said, look, if you, if this isn't good for both of us, then I won't do it. And she, she really wanted me to go for it. And so, and luckily we, we live in, like by, I grew up in Barron, Wisconsin, and all of our families here. I mean, we live a mile from her mom, a couple miles from my brother, five miles from my parents. You know, I mean, there's a ton of family around to help, so that helped. That was made a big difference. But uh, you know, it's not the same talking to your kids through FaceTime and stuff for that long. But I, we just had to remind ourselves it was it was temporary, and it was going to better us for the rest of our lives, hopefully. So. That's a great way to look at it. And having the family nearby too, what a That's blessing. That's huge. Yeah, yeah, not possible without them, I don't think. Yeah, it's interesting to think about that too. I mean, the amount of hard work you put in and your talent and all that, but then thinking about that supporting cast around you and how important that is to you know everything you're, you're working for. You're, I was reading that, uh, so when you got out of college, you headed to Nashville to record, I think it was when you got out of college, but yeah, to shortly record after. Your, yeah, your first single, but your town, the, the, your, your fellow neighbors in, in Barron there helped you raise money to do this. I was really curious, like, oh yeah, like, was this a case of everyone knows each other so well that you're like, Hey, this is a dream. You know, was this like a local, almost like kind of a GoFundMe nowadays type thing? Basically. Yeah. It was like, uh, it was, it was even more old school than that. It was, uh, I mean, I, so my manager now, I've been friends with him forever, and he's worked with a ton of bands in the Middle East and stuff and books entertainment for the troops and um, all that cool stuff. And he had booked this guy who was a songwriter out of Nashville, and this guy just like randomly sent him a song and uh, said, hey, I, I've got this song that I wrote and uh, looking for a, a good voice for it and want to want to have someone record it and said do you have any anyone that you can think of that might sound good on this and he sent it to me I, and I sent back a demo and he said yeah that that guy's voice sounds great let's 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 have him record the song and so I was all jacked up you know I'm going to get to go to Nashville and any musician I mean for me anyway like growing up like Nashville's always the spot you want to you want to get to Nashville and record um so I was just super pumped and then it was going to be like a, a quite a bit of money and um i was like oh, i don't have any money so i'm like i don't know and i called my dad and i was just like yeah i have this cool opportunity to go record and i don't know how i'm gonna pay for it and he said well we'll figure it out you know we'll just plan the trip and we'll we'll figure it out and so he called the local the vfw bar that we used to play at all the time and uh we just he helped me put an event together and we had couple of different musicians come in and play and they did like a potluck for donations and they did like uh i think they did a meat raffle um oh wow they did uh this is amazing you know, like the 50 50 pot drawing thing and you know we raised all the money we needed to go to nashville and record the song and yeah so it was pretty cool what a sense of community i yeah. mean everyone i mean 
I imagine you were so excited to be able to go there and record that, but also knowing that all of these people supported you, I mean, both financially, but with their talents, with their time, with their love and support, that's true community right there. Yeah, it's pretty cool. We're fortunate to be from here. Um, there's definitely some cool, some cool benefits to growing up in a small town. Yeah. Speaking of your dad, I read a quote that you once, uh, your dad gave you some wisdom. He said, even a bad day fishing is still better than a good day at home. Sure. Yeah. I, I like that. <laughs> what was he, what did he mean by that? Oh, I mean, it's, it's a pretty common saying, um, here anyway, I've said it now, <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> I mean, I don't know if you love, you love fishing, it could be anything. I mean, I don't, we don't know each other personally super well, but I mean, like if you have a hobby that you love to do, even if it's not a great day for that hobby, it's still better than not doing it. Uh, you know, I it's kind of totally like, oh, it's better that. than sitting at home doing nothing. Yeah. Yeah. Did you and your dad fish a lot together? Oh, all the time. Yep. We still do. We, uh, we get together with guys once a week and we go fishing every Tuesday night. So. Oh, that's fun. Is that just kind of like locally on the lake in town or something? Yeah. There's, you know, a bunch of lakes around. So we just kind of hop around and see what we can find. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. I've, I've fished a couple times in my life. Very not, uh, I want to say very smally. (laughs) That's not even a word, but, um, like when I was a kid and stuff as Cub Scouts, uh, and like, I'm no pro. Yeah. (laughs) Not at all. Oh, okay. I didn't know if we're talking like big sport fishing or just no, like casual. No, casual. <laughs> just go out there and catch some bluegills and stuff. Gotcha. Oh, that's yep. fun. So the town you live in, it's what, about 3,000 people or so? Yeah, 3,000. That's the town. Yeah, I actually never lived in the town, but <laughs> that's where I went to school. The, the area. Yeah, yep, the area. So you go... Um, so first of all, the voice calls you, which I found amazing. Um, yeah, kind of crazy. Yeah, so they call you and say, hey, come out for an audition, and you do. I mean, you end up going through this whole process. You end up placing second in that season. When you come back to town, I got to imagine every single person in town now views you as somebody a little bit different. I mean, I imagine TV does that to people's perception. Yeah. Um, Yeah, to a point. um, Part of it was really weird because I couldn't, for the first, like, so I went out there June 3rd of Motobend 2018, and, geez, that's almost two years ago. Wow. Um, Time flies. Yeah, I know it. So I went out there June 3rd, and the show didn't start airing until, like, mid to late September, so we couldn't tell anyone until it aired. So you disappeared for, like, three months, and no one knew where you... And, I mean, people kind of figured it out because I had, you know, I had... I think I had to cancel like 115 shows, somewhere in there, 110, 115. And so, I mean, all of a sudden I'm just not playing anymore. I'm not around and just kind of silent on social media. Uh, (laughs) Yeah, people kind of figured it out. My dad's got some good stories of people coming up up to him in the gas station in town. They'll be like, I know he's going to be on American Idol. I know it. (laughs) (laughs) So that kind of stuff was funny. But once, once the word did get out, um, yeah, it was pretty crazy. It, it just, it varies. I mean, even still, like I went and picked my son up from daycare 40 minutes ago and, um, you know, I stopped at the gas station and there's, there's, a, sometimes there's people that are just like, Oh, are you Chris Cruzy? I'm like, yeah, I, yeah, I am. And then 
there would be someone else like that might work at the gas station or something. And they'll just be like, well, it's just Chris. Like, you know, cause yeah. I've known these people my whole life. Um, so it, it goes both ways. It's gotta be such a, a, a weird dichotomy to be in, especially that example, like someone who, again, their perception has totally changed and someone else is like, well, it's just my buddy, Chris. I don't know yeah. what, you're all, <laughs> what you're all excited about. Yeah. <laughs> so when you were, um, booking all the bar shows, was that what you were doing full time or were you like doing something during the day to kind of stay afloat and then booking the shows, you know, as to kind of get ahead uh, in the career? Well, when I graduated from college and knew that I had those student loans coming in, I did, I got a part, I got, well, it was full time, I guess, but it, it was, um, just a short stint, I think for like six months I worked for uh, a local guy doing concrete um, just like as a laborer and I was awful at it, but, uh, I had to, I had to do something. And then, you know, that was good motivation for me to kick that, kick the music stuff into gear. So, I mean, I graduated college in 2011. Um, so I mean, pretty much since 2012 and on, I've been full-time musician. So were you doing, I'm trying to think here. So 2018 is your, the voice, was it six years then of that kind of volume of bar shows? I mean, oh yeah. Wow, I just yeah. I really admire your your hustle and I mean that's a a high level, a high pace to keep up for I mean a year but 6 years. Um did you ever have a moment you know, I think so much of the secret to success so to speak in in creative fields is just determination and not stopping no matter what. Yeah. Did you ever have a moment in those 6 years where you're like I don't know if I can keep doing this? Yeah, several. I mean, it was almost like every year around August because I'd just be so burnt out from the, you know, I mean, it's northern Wisconsin. We're known for, I mean, not much different climate than Chicago. Um, sure. We, you know, we're known for like brutal winters and stuff. People don't realize it gets, I mean, it's like 95, close to 100 degrees and we're playing outdoor shows all, all you know, six, seven days a week. And like, it's just exhausting. You get burnt out and, you know, by, by the time August, end of August would roll around, sometimes I'd be going on stage just in a blur, you know, it's just like, um, so yeah, there was definitely moments where I was just like, I don't know if I can do this anymore. And then I'd always take like a week off in September and then I'd be like, all right, I'm ready to go back and do it. Just a little bit of rest and you're ready. Yeah. It's funny how that works. I noticed that with myself, just especially when you're burnt out, just a, even the smallest amount of rest yeah. can completely reset you. It's, it's like uh, it's like the same concept as that like 15 minute power nap versus sleeping for three hours, you know? Oh yeah. I never thought about that. I was yeah. never a power nap person, but now, no. I, now I get it. <laughs> yeah. Now you're going to start power napping every yeah. day. <laughs> when you, I mean, I imagine when you were called by the voice to say, Hey, uh, we think you should come audition. You were probably ecstatic and thought, "Oh my gosh, this is a huge opportunity." Yep. Then you advance in the show. You know, you're you're actually on the show now. That's got to be, oh my gosh, this is a huge opportunity. And then, I mean, you get to almost the very end of the show. Uh, I think second place in this scenario is probably just as good as first place. I mean, there's yeah, no. Yeah, it was crazy. Yeah. So at that point, you must have been like, "Wow, this is amazing." Was this at that point, life-changing in your mind? And I don't mean like your lifestyle changed, but in your mind, did you think, you know what? I did this. I accomplished this. I can accomplish anything. Like, I can do this. Yeah, there was some of that. I mean, it was, you know, it's a, it's a grueling process to go through and do those shows. I mean, it's, 
you know, it starts out, we started out with 150 potential contestants at the blind auditions, and then it whittles down to 48, and then it's, I can't remember exactly how it went, but I mean, you know, you get to a point when you're looking around and there's like 10 people left, and you're like, oh, crap, I'm still here. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> like, I got to be buddies with a lot of the guys that were at like the blind auditions, and some people that didn't even make it on the show, and like getting to see that thing from a different perspective was super cool because so, honestly, some of the some of the best singers I've ever heard, like some of the best singers that were out there for the contestants didn't make the show. And it's just, I think it just kind of depends on what, what they're specifically looking for. And, um, you know, uh, there's, there's several people that I, could sing me under the table any day <laughs> that didn't make the show. But, uh, yeah, I don't know how all that works. I guess. I don't know. I got off topic, but I was going to, so like, when you keep advancing in the show, everyone at the blind auditions, they're like, man, if I can just, if I can just have the opportunity to do a blind, because not everybody's going to get a chance to even sing for the blinds because there's only 48 spots. Once those spots fill up, they're done. And so, I mean, there was probably 40 people that didn't get to sing. And, uh, so that's, that's pretty disheartening, but so we were all at, before the blinds, we were saying, if we can just get a chance to sing, to sing in front of the coaches, you know, then we'll be, yeah we'll be we'll feel like we got our money's worth out of this and um then after you make a team you're like man if i can just make it through the next round i'll be happy and then you made it and then you're like man just one just if i could just make this next round so i mean you keep you know the competition keeps going um i just honestly i was just kind of baffled that i i kept getting through it was crazy you know i'm from this town in wisconsin that no one's ever heard of from three with three thousand people and you know, the the whole state kind of rallied, and uh, without that, you know, I had some really good friends in Minneapolis, too, that got, got a bunch of, like, news coverage for me and stuff when I was doing interviews from L.A. with, uh, with like, big news stations out of Minneapolis and stuff. I mean, they would do, like, press press conferences or whatever with all the contestants, and, you know, it's not it's not necessarily everybody gets the same amount of interviews. It depends on what, how many networks are interested in talking to you, and I was fortunate a lot of people would be in and out of there in five minutes. Sometimes I would do interviews for three hours. Oh my just, gosh. Just getting that stuff out there just cause there was, you know, so many of these local little stations and then some of the bigger ones. And, um, so yeah, that was, I don't know. I got way off topic. I was rambling there. Sorry. About no, that. I, I think, I don't think so at all. You, you say like you mentioned you're, you know, kind of baffled and, and you, you were amazed that you got that far and, and there were people that maybe even sung, you know, better than you, but yeah, you know, I think, I mean, if it were me judging, you know, seeing someone like yourself who has this work ethic and this determination and this humility, I think that probably played a large part in it because talent is super important. But if you're a really talented singer who can't take rejection, who can't handle the the workload, who can't handle, you know, those obstacles that are coming... Uh, you know, that's not going to work out, I would think. Yeah. Um, so I wonder, you know, if they just saw that in you, that would be my hunch. It could be. Uh, yeah. I mean, I guess it, it depends on, I mean, like Luke Combs tried out for The Voice and didn't even get a blind audition because he wasn't interesting enough. <laughs> and I mean, you know, he's, you, you, yeah, can't, that's stop, interesting. you can't stop that drive. Um, yeah. Yeah, exactly. A guy, a guy that didn't make it, uh, if, if whoever's listening, go check out Mitchell Ferguson, type out Mitchell Ferguson on YouTube. And so Mitchell Ferguson cry, 
dude's an incredible singer and songwriter and he tried out and didn't make it um which blew my mind he's just unbelievable mitchell ferguson i'll have to check him out yeah he's crazy good what would you say so i like i said you i think you've worked so hard um just calling up you know cold calling bars and booking shows like that i i really admire that and i share that kind of mentality were there any like big mistakes you made along the way where you were like, all right, I learned a lesson here. I'm going to shift gears and try this now. Yeah. Um, one of the, one of the biggest things I learned was, you know, not to oversaturate a market because I would, you know, this town right by us, this Chatech, Wisconsin, it's a kind of a tourist attraction. Um, it's just, there's a big chain of lakes and lake bars all over the lakes. So there's tiki bars everywhere with live bands and stuff. It's really fun. Um, so, I mean, the summertime comes in a town of 2,500 turns into 50,000 because wow. everyone's got lake cabins and stuff. And, um, so I would, you know, I would play, there was times when I would play Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, all in Chatech. And, you know, it, I, you can get to a point where you burn out and you play too much and then people don't, you know, they've they're like, well, he's going to be here next week too. So why don't we go check out this other one? And so, I mean, I think not necessarily making yourself sparse, but uh, don't oversaturate, you know, don't do too much in one area. That was one of the biggest things. Yeah, that's, I could see where that, did you adjust then in terms of like ensuring you didn't play a certain number of shows in a certain time yeah. period in that market or something? Yep. I just, I just started paying attention, you know, oh, if I'm going to be in Chitek this night, I should probably at least give it a couple days, you know? I mean, you could still get away with a lot because there's so many people around, but... Yeah, I mean, just trying, just being more conscious of that. How did you like? What's the when you are playing a bar show? I imagine you're doing a lot of covers, right? Because you, oh yeah, people Almost don't necessarily all. know. Yeah. So, what's the feedback loop like there for you? Like when you leave the bar that night, what signals to you that was a good show? I I'm making progress here. Is it people singing along with all the hits? Definitely that. That's a big part of it. Um, especially playing bars. Um. You know, I mean, there was, there was times when I could go up there and play and you could say, you know, talking on the mic, like, hey, how's everybody doing tonight? And you literally get nothing back from the crowd. And oh, so then that's got to be so disheartening. I mean, oh, like, yeah. letting all the air out of the balloon right away. Yeah. So those nights you leave feeling like, what am I doing? <laughs> what am I doing? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But uh, there's other times when you, you just, I don't know, if you connect, you know, you... I would play these four-hour shows by myself and, uh, you know, so four hours of cover songs and trying to pull from, you know, I'd, I'd always, like, right away the first set, I'd always, like, test, I'd play some, like, classic country and stuff and I'd play classic rock and some more modern stuff and just see kind of what the crowd is into for the most part. And, you know, sometimes you just hit that on the head and get it get it right all night and people love everything and sometimes you'd miss. Um, it's just, it's so hard to judge. I never thought about that kind of feeling out different crowds and what yeah. what might resonate. That's that's smart. So you're doing this for like we said maybe six years or so. Yeah, and you're you're you were married during that time. Yeah. So I I imagine um, someone like yourself. I mean, any person in a relationship pursuing their dream is going to need the support of the other person in the relationship. Um, oh yeah. Was your wife, you know, behind in this kind of like, I'm going, you know, 
balls to the wall here. <laughs> like, excuse my French, but yeah, no, that's 250 just shows a year. I mean, you know, your wife, uh, I would imagine, had to be on board. What what was that kind of support looking like for you? Um, well, there's kind of two parts. I mean, she's always been, you know, I I was doing I was doing this stuff even before we got together. So I mean, this is just kind of all. You know, it's all I've ever done in, in our relationship, and um, another like another side of it. She, we're, I was, we're super lucky. She works for the school, and so she's off all summer. Oh, and nice. so, I mean, winter time would always be slower. I'd still do you know three to four shows a week, but not like summer when it was literally every day you're gone. Luckily, in the summertime, she was off work, so she could come hang out, you know, and have some freedom too. Um, so that was pretty fortunate. But yeah, I mean, if you're not on the same page, you can't, it's not going to work. Yeah. Did you ever, either individually yourself or as a couple, did you ever kind of set goals like, all right, I'm, you know, I've been pursuing this and now we're together and I'm pursuing this. And, you know, if, if I don't see this kind of progress in seven years, then, you know, I'll make this decision or something. Or was it always just kind of, we believe in it? Yeah, we kind of just, I don't even know. I don't really know even... I never really, we never really sat down and had those talks or anything. It was just kind of, it's just what I did. And, um, you know, we were always, I mean, little, little things would be like, man, it'd be nice if you could take one weekend off in July. And <laughs> that didn't always happen. But I mean, once in a while I'd be like, well, I've got a Monday through Wednesday off. Should we go do something? <laughs> um, <laughs> which is where that comes in handy that she worked for the school because normally you wouldn't be able to do that. You know, it would have to be on a weekend and I just couldn't afford to take a weekend off. Yeah, I, I bet that uh, that Monday to Wednesday, uh, you both probably really enjoyed that time together more than ever because you Absolutely. were able to, uh, you know, it didn't happen as much. Yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. That's, um, wow. I can't imagine seven shows a week or that's just, uh, it's amazing. It's and too much. It's too much. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> you're, you're kind of reflecting if now. Anybody's, maybe. <laughs> if anybody's playing bars right now and wants to book themselves seven seven days a week, it's too much. Do like <laughs> four, four or five. Have a couple days. So you, you mentioned that um, you realized oversaturating a market might be a problem. And that's uh, you know something you were able to kind of course correct. Were there any, throughout your, your journey up until then, were there any decisions you made that you're like, you know what, this was... This was a lesson I learned that I, something good I did, and I'm glad I did this, and I'm going to do more of this. Yeah, um, it's kind of it's still it's still true too, and I don't know if it translates to any other businesses outside of music because I don't just don't have any experience with anything else. Um, but honestly, like it, charity charity work, and I mean, I've done. I've played so many benefits and stuff and I'm always happy to play benefits and I don't know what it is, but I've gotten more work from connections that I've made with people at charity events than anything. Um, and I don't understand why I guess, but, uh, I've gotten more paid work out of doing free, free, you know, charity work than anything. And I, so I, I don't know what that is, but, uh, <laughs> that's interesting. Yeah. I've it's just, kind of been true for a long time that's great though i wonder if that's just there's something to someone like yourself doing a charity event and you simply being there contributing your talents for free speaks highly of you know you as a person and that's the type of person that we'd want to hire you know that's the music act we want to we want to have yeah i think there's some of that and then there's probably some that uh you know people that 
go to charity events. Some people that go to charity events probably aren't at the bar shows, so I would never get in front of those people. And, um, you know, a lot of times that's that's corporate corporate companies. And, uh, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I wish I knew. <laughs> well, that's good, though, that, uh, I mean, it's got to be a great feeling to devote your talent, contribute your talents like that, and then, you know, to also be sort of rewarded and be able to do both, you know, be able to contribute in that way and help others and then also be able to make a living from doing that kind of work. Yeah. And I've been, I've been on both ends of that, you know, I mean, with that fundraiser that my dad helped put together to go do that song in Nashville and, um, you know, being on the receiving end of that charity work basically. And, um, it's, it's, it can be pretty impact impactful and it can, uh, help people out a lot. So it's got, it's fun to be able to be on the other side of that and, you know, help, yeah. help out. Yeah, I imagine it means that much more because you know the effect of it. Yeah. Are you still doing that many shows a year then? Or uh, are you... No, not quite. I think last year we probably did close to 150. Okay. Which is still I mean, a lot, but it's yeah. almost maybe a third or, or no, yeah. two thirds of what you were doing. Yeah. Yep. Uh, and it's, and it's uh, you know, it's honestly, it's probably the same amount of days gone because now, you know, there's, we did... You know, let's just for an example, we'd do a night in northern Iowa, southern Illinois, and then Memphis, and then like Arkansas or something, you know? So, I mean, you're still, you might be playing four shows a week, but you might be traveling seven days. Um, so, I mean, it's it's different, but it's also, I mean, now it also gives you the, the flexibility to be like, you know what? We're going to take uh, July 4th weekend off and go do something with the family and not have to worry about not having any shows that weekend. So that's, that's kind of nice. That's gotta be one of the best things. Uh, it's gotta be one of the best feelings that you've achieved that you can now, cause we were just talking about how, you, you know, you wished or your wife might have wished you could take a weekend off in July in the past. And it was a little bit more of a hard decision. And now it's like, all right, we could take the 4th of July off. Yeah. And then now currently it's like, I'm pretty much free till, I don't know. <laughs> I don't yes. know. What. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. This whole COVID situation, folks like yourself and everyone in the creative industry, I, I feel for, and I hope that we're able to get everything. Yeah. I, it, it'll come back. It might take some time, but I think yeah. there's, there's a, there's a right way to do it. And I'm not, I'm not educated in what that right way is. So I'm gonna have to trust the professionals. <laughs> it's a great way to look at it. Yeah. Those 150 shows you're doing now, I imagine those are no longer in the tiki bars. Uh, no, no, we did a ton of festivals and a lot of corporate events. Um, you know, some some really big galas. A um, lot of we we still did like some some like beer tent stuff, and I I still love that. That's a ton of fun. You know, when I was starting like playing bars. That's that was like where I, I wanted to get to where I could go play those beer tents every weekend. Like that was the thing for me, and so that's always gonna be fun to me. I think, even I don't care if it's a town of five hundred people. If they've got a beer tent and they shut down Main Street for it, I'm in. <laughs> <laughs> Did it feel good once you got to that first beer tent? Oh yeah, it was awesome. Yep, and that first that first beer tent show that we got here was the Ridgeland Fair, Ridgeland, Wisconsin, like fifteen minutes from Barron, and. uh that was like my, I think my senior year of high school, we played there the first time. And uh, so this last year after I was on The Voice, it was super fun. We went back and played that same, that same little fair. It was awesome. A ton of fun. Oh my gosh. I imagine corporate events. I remember I was at, 
I was in Toronto. It was last year, the year before, but I was at a, a conference uh, for a, a e-commerce company, Shopify. They they let you make stores online. Oh, nice. Sell yep. stuff. Yeah. We use Shopify. What's that? We use Shopify. Oh, okay. Shopify. Yeah. I don't know why I don't just say their name. Yeah, Shopify. So they they had an annual conference where people that make apps in the platform come and uh, you know learn what they're going to be making next year that you can build on and. They had a musical act. Uh, they they throw a big party at the you know during this conference, and everyone thought it was going to be Drake because he's from Canada. I guess I'm not very yep. familiar with Drake. And then it ends up being this act which I had never seen. Which and I'm now well, I'm not embarrassed. Whatever we know things we know. Uh, Lupe Fiasco was the, okay, and he was uh, you know a similar type artist as like Drake. And I remember, I mean, he was. Uh, they threw the you know big venue and everything. It was great, um, but he just the way he kind of started the performance was very much like he was acknowledging this is a corporate event. I don't know if everyone's like into this, and we're gonna have fun and like. So and I, ever since that, I always thought like, do artists like yourself enjoy doing an event like that, or is it just like for the money, or is it awkward, or you see it as maybe there's an opportunity here? I feel like I feel like sometimes those those corporate events, even if they're like black tie, by the time that we always play like the after party, and so then by that time, I mean I think people forget. It doesn't matter if whoever you know, let's say just for an example, like the CEO of Shopify, you know, he's probably got to they've probably got to be, you know, well dressed and you know have their have their wits about them all the time, you know. But there's going to be a certain there's a certain point where they got to just let loose and be a, a human being too. Um, you know, so, so I feel like we've, I've, I've only really experienced that, that side of it. I mean, we've done some stuff where it's like, you know, you, you're going to start at 8.05 and you're done at 8.32, like no wiggle room. Like this is, so wow. you plan, plan out your set and, uh, rigid. Yeah, very. So I, I've seen kind of both sides of it, but most of the time it's pretty fun. Um, I, there was a kind of a turning point with those. We did one early last year, and everyone was kind of sitting down. You know, you could tell they were having fun, but they were pretty reserved. And uh, we were going to play Baton Rouge by Garth Brooks. I don't know if you're familiar. Uh, I big, am. Great big, song. Big fiddle song yeah. and kind of gets the crowd going usually. And before we started it, we kind of had like the vamp going with the band. And I just said, I don't know if you guys have rules about if you have to stay in your seats and stay calm i'm like but i don't so if you want to party let's let's do it and then we get <laughs> the song off and it was like it, it was like a, someone flipped a switch and it was just a party from the rest of the night that is my favorite thing about i am such a huge fan of music i do like country music so i know garth brooks for sure yeah and live music but my favorite thing about music is that ability f- to connect i mean humans connecting with humans through this i love calling it the universal language as cliche as that is but i mean yeah it doesn't matter what language you speak, you, those chills running down your spine, you can't deny the feeling you're having of joy, of, you know, nostalgia or whatever. Do you feel that when you're on stage? I got to imagine that just rushes yeah. through your veins. Yeah, I mean it's if you've got a if you're if you're on and like playing well and feeling good and, you know, the crowd's into it, it's uh there's nothing like it. It's it's my favorite thing that I've ever done. <laughs> um it's just an adrenaline rush. It's addicting. Maybe that's what keeps you go. What kept you going those six years at the bars is just like I can't stop this. This is this one I'm yeah. made for. Yeah, and I mean it was it was another another point of that too was like this is this is the only thing I'm good at. This is the only thing that I 
have really spent any time perfecting. And so this is what I'm doing. I mean, I didn't have a safety net. I didn't have a, you know, a, a trade trade school degree or anything like where I could go get a good, good paying job outside of music. So I didn't really have any, anything to fall back on. Concrete was not going to be working out for you. No, that wasn't it. <laughs> at least you were aware of it. <laughs> oh yeah. I was terrible at it. Yeah. And actually, when I when I was done, I just I went up to my boss and I said, "Look, I said it's no secret I suck at this," and he just kind of laughed and he was just I was just like, "I'll work for you as long as you need me, but I'm not going to feel bad if you don't need me anymore." And so that, <laughs> it ended it ended fine. It was good. I didn't get fired or anything. It was you know I still still friends with the guy and stuff. So yeah, it was just funny. Yeah. Oh, I imagine. Um, I just remembered when you said something about humans. I was listening to Spotify, oh my gosh, sometime in the past. Uh, and I think I was listening to one of their playlists that just starts playing stuff they think you're going to be into. Yeah. And your single Human came on. And I think this oh, was nice. a single you recorded as part of The Voice or near the end of your tenure in The Voice. Yep. And I was listening to it. Yeah. And it just kind of caught my ear. And I st- I had to stop, go to Spotify, look at because I had never heard it. I had not heard your music before. I had to say, who is this? And so I, that's how I dove into the the Chris world. Cool. And um, it was a it, it was a beautiful song, especially I mean the whole concept of this podcast and, and just my beliefs and I mean I love just human the human psychology and you know how we are as people. It's a fascinating we're a fascinating species. Um, did you write that song then, or was that like do the do they write it for you? And then like, well, that one was, it's actually kind of funny. So everyone else recorded those songs in LA as a part of the voice, but I had the, I had my record done before I went on the voice. And so that oh, was, okay. uh, that was going to be the single off the record anyway. And so when it, when I got to the finale week where you can do an original song, we pitched that song to them. And, uh, it was the first time in the, the history of the show that they've that they've taken a song that was recorded outside of their studios and um yeah it was it was just we already had it done and ready i recorded that in nashville um you know a few months prior to going out to la oh okay so this was your song for your album anyway that you just happened to be able to use on the okay so this wasn't made for the voice oh i see i didn't realize that i know it was they didn't they even we even shot like a segment of the show where it was me and the producers and Blake Shelton sitting in the studio recording the song pretend. <laughs> no way. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. And it was funny because like I'd go in there and like I'm singing on a mic like this and uh, the song's already done. And we went back into the control room and Blake, Blake was just screwing around and he's like, man, you really knocked it out on that first take. It sounds like a record that's already done. <laughs> so that was funny. Was this the, that, um, when you went, when you raised the money from your town and you all banded together there to send you off to Nashville for that single, was that the beginning of this album or was that no, something that separate? No, that was just then, a, that was oh, just a okay. single. That was in, I think that was in 2014. Um, okay. And this, that human, we recorded uh, that, that record that I put out when I got off of the show, we recorded that in 2018. Yeah. Gotcha. So you recorded that record before you knew the voice was even happening? Yeah, yeah, we just we wanted to put a record out and Yeah, it just worked out that we had a a big huge commercial for 6 months. I was going to say, prior. what what better marketing could you ask for for this right. album that you're ready to start, you know, getting people hooked on? Yeah. That's amazing. Does it feel 
I, this day and age, like I said, I discovered you on Spotify. Um, I'm a pretty, I imagine, average listener. You know, I no longer own CDs or anything. And right. Um, so when you hear something like that, you know, do do you feel like pretty comfortable with this new digital age and the Spotify streams and the Apple Music streams, or you know, do you like? I'm I'm just trying to think like. So many people had the dream of, you know, selling a million CDs and getting platinum and that's all different now. Yeah. And, and, you know, it's, you know, everybody wishes it could go back to where it was, but at the same time, it's, <laughs> there's nothing I can do about that. So, I mean, I still want to put music out. I mean, when we put the record out, we put it on YouTube too, because I mean, I'd rather get it in front of as many people as I can, even if they didn't buy it, you know, if they really like it and they want to support it, they might buy it. Um, but uh yeah i mean i don't know the streaming thing you don't get paid great for it you don't get you know nothing's nothing's great about it but one thing that's cool about it is you can get your music out really fast and really easy um and you know just the ability to share it i mean you can you know someone can take i mean you could make a spotify playlist and if the right person sees it and shares it it can snowball into the all of a sudden you're like a uh, Spotify influencer and you have you've got a powerful playlist that people are going to pay you to put their songs on and you know there's uh there's some there's some cool stuff about it too yeah you hear all those or you read all those articles about artists saying that it's not the most artist friendly with the royalties and all that so yeah I always I'm always curious yeah I'm sure it's not I know it's not I mean I know like Garth Brooks for example didn't he doesn't I don't think he you can find him on Spotify um, yeah, he had his own streaming service for a yeah, while, Ghost, didn't he? Go, Ghost, Ghost Tunes. Was yeah, it? yeah. Right. <laughs> I I love Garth Brooks, but I got I would love to have been a fly in the wall in that meeting. <laughs> that guy's not human, though. I mean, who can take a fourteen year hiatus and then just be like, you know what? I'm going to do an arena tour. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. Didn't he also have an alter ego for like a year? He, he, he recorded did. an album as like somebody else. Chris Gaines. That's right, Chris Gaines. And, uh, it was pretty see it got so like everyone was like oh garth brooks is a freak he's a weirdo and but they were supposed to make a movie about this character chris gaines and the record was for the movie and the movie never happened so he said screw it i'm gonna put the record out anyway oh and so that's what yeah there was it was supposed to be like a a movie character that had a record and then they were gonna have a record for the movie but uh (laughs) without a movie it looks weird I that's so interesting now because he was thinking about this like true immersive multimedia experience there like bringing the character out of the movie and into yeah, it's, yeah into music interesting yeah I agree with you who goes on a 14 year hiatus and shows up and <laughs> yeah it's what is that I mean not only like gonna go play arenas but he booked like two shows in Minneapolis and turned into like 12 because it kept selling out 50,000 people a night yeah, it's Man. insane. I was one of them. I was on that wagon. Sure. I mean, it's like the definition of a legend, right? I mean, oh yeah, go away for as long as you want and come right back, and you're still a legend. Yeah. What do you see your legacy as? Like, what are you? What is the North Star for you? You know, I honestly don't know. Um, you know, I, I've I've thought about like the you know the the classic. Where do you see yourself in five years? A bunch, and I honestly don't know. I'm going to keep doing everything I can, and you know, um, try to keep pursuing that next level of the music industry, whatever that looks like. Um, but I mean, if it boils down to one thing, if I can play music and make a, make a good living for my family, then I'm, I'm good. 
whether that be in Wisconsin, regional, tri-state, or nationally. I mean, it's uh, if I can play music and take care of my family and stuff, then I'm I'm happy. Which it sounds like you've been able to do so far. So I think you've yeah. proven that you're you're capable of that. Yep. Yeah, I'm, I'm fortunate. I get to do something that I like for a living. Not that it's easy. Um, it's anyone that'll do something, you know that they like. I mean, I'm sure you enjoy doing podcasts, but I mean, there's days when it feels like work too, you know? No, I know exactly what you mean. I feel like creative endeavors, that's part of the the baggage that gets carried along is that yep. it's that delicate balance between how do I continue to find creative fulfillment of this, but at the same time, do all the grunt work to keep it going. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, anybody that has a passion, I mean, you're going to, if you want to turn that passion into a you know, a career, it's, you're going to, I don't think there's any like pretty way to say it. You're going to have to do it until you don't enjoy it anymore and then find a way to enjoy it still. That's a great way to put it. I love that. You know, I mean, you gotta, it's going to be hard work, but yeah. Yeah. Oh, I love that. Five years, man, this whole COVID situation has made time operate on a different scale. I think like you yeah. mentioned, you, you know, you're not thinking about what you're going to necessarily be doing five years from now and i thought to myself five years from now oh i whew, that feels like 25 years i saw a funny meme i don't know who made it but it was it was like five years ago everyone was wrong if they filled out a where do you see yourself in five years quits <laughs> yeah i don't know i don't know i don't know what to think it's so weird it's so crazy you mentioned so you have two kids right you have yep. um uh, they're pretty young uh yeah so well i have so i've got a stepdaughter who's 10 and my son is three. Oh, okay so yep i have a nine and a five uh oh, soon nice. to be 10 and six so nice i know i'm more well, i know both ages but i don't know Boys your girls uh oldest is a boy youngest girl nice but yeah he, he'll be 10 in in a couple months and uh i feel like i think about myself and how I was with my father as a teenager in high school and the clashing we did and, you know, the relationship we had. I mean, we have a great relationship now and I think yeah. we did then. It was probably typical teenager I'm sure. dad stuff. Yeah. But I think, is that like foreshadowing of like what I'm in for? Because I, I'm going to approach this differently then. <laughs> I know. I I know. I, uh, I have those, <laughs> those same thoughts. I was a terrible student in school. I mean didn't do homework was just not paying attention and i was not into school at all i wanted to do music and that was the only thing that mattered in hindsight i wish i would have paid attention in certain things and but uh oh yeah like what i don't know i mean well maybe not so much but uh i wish i would have taken like there was like an economics class available you know like some real life stuff i think the best class i ever took like what got me through college and was able to afford to actually go to college was <laughs> the cooking classes in high school oh yeah yeah because i mean i couldn't afford to buy food in college um so i, I was fortunate i knew how to cook that's awesome that's yeah. very practical and the economic side, do you wish you had taken more economics just for like maybe more of the business side of music? Yeah, that. And uh, I mean, any of it, uh, a friend of mine put it in good perspective for me. He was like, yeah, you may not have, you may not need any of those things that they taught you in high school. But if you look at it in a different angle, you were kind of learning how to learn. Does that make yeah. sense? Oh, it makes perfect sense. I share yeah. a similar 
sentiment. I look back at my college years and I wanted so desperately to get out of college. I was ready for the the real world. Yep. And like you said, I, there were all these opportunities to both learn things and learn to learn things. Yep. And I'm not sure I took advantage. I absolutely resonate with that. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't, I hope, <laughs> I don't know. My son is a lot like me already at three. So <laughs> at three. <laughs> yeah. I so have we'll a feeling see. that uh, he might have this love of music or this amazing exposure to music. Yeah, he he's definitely interested. He always wants to play my guitars and stuff, and I let him play. There's certain ones that I'll let him play, certain ones that I put up high. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> There's a hierarchy of what, what, what he's allowed at this age than maybe sure. the next age. <laughs> yep. Yeah, because, you know, he might play them with his fingers. He might hit them with a hammer. So, well, <laughs> there's certain ones I'm cool with that, certain ones I'm not. <laughs> oh, that's fun. Do, do they... Um... I think of my kids and just one of the beautiful things about having children is they just refresh your perspective on everything in your life that you've done that you want to do. Have they kind of reshaped or refreshed, you know, your mission to just continue to, you know, spread your music around the world? Have they affected how you feel about that? Yeah. I mean, there's a, there's a lot of things that, you know, changed, changed with having kids. And, uh, I think it just, it's a good reminder of what's important. And, um, you know, a career is absolutely important. It's vital for, you know, the financial health of your family and everything and making sure you have a house and an income food on the table and all that reliable vehicles. But, but, uh, you know, you've got to find a balance. And I think it's, it's kind of a pendulum from what I've found in my life anyway. It's, there's never truly a balance, but I mean, you've got to let that pendulum swing both ways. You know, sometimes I'm super focused and just straight up working all the time. Like this week's a good example. I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to Nashville next week to record a new record. And, um, so, I mean, I've been, we've been diving through songs. We wrote a ton of songs this last year and we've gotten a ton of songs pitched to us from other writers and, uh, you know, just diving through that, learning all of them and finding out what suits, suits this record best. And so, I mean, I've been locked in my little studio here all week and, you know, so there's never a perfect balance, but you know, once this record's done, then I'll take a week and it'll be like all family stuff. And, um, you know, I wish that there was a way that I could, I could say, I'm going to do music stuff from 10 AM to three and then I'm done, but it just doesn't work that way. Um, yeah, but yeah, I don't know. Um, but yeah, the family time stuff is really important. I mean, but he's never going to be this age again, so it's important to get as much of that in as we can. I'm always reminded of that. I don't know if you're a Brad Paisley fan, but he has a song called yeah. Last Time for Everything. I don't think and I know that one. I know a lot of Brad Paisley, but I don't know that one. It's on a relatively recent record. You know, he's got how many billion records now, um, but one in the past, at more recent times, but just, you know, about how you don't realize, you know, um, and I think about this all the time, having children now. I realize this with my son. You know, I don't pick him up anymore, really. I mean, he's like 10 and he's getting bigger. And, you know, my daughter, yeah. I still hold on to and carry and stuff. And I, I'm i very aware of this now. I think, oh my gosh, there's going to be a day where I just don't pick her up anymore. And I, yep. Um, so yeah, I, I think. Or, of, like, uh, or like your kid wanting you to rock them to sleep, you know, that's yeah. going to go, you know, it's the, you, you're probably done with that, you know, um, yeah. we're close to it. Um, yeah, but our son's, our son is three and it's like at night, sometimes it's like, you know, you're putting them to bed and you're like, Oh my God, just go to bed. 
<laughs> but then, but then there's also he'll be like, "Well, I want to rock," and I'm like, "Oh, yeah, okay, that's yeah." And then I'm thinking like, "Okay, so there's gonna be a last time that I do that." Yeah, and so yeah, it's one of those. But then there will be new experiences to replace yes. that cool stuff too. Yeah, yeah, it's the same with my daughter. Like reading her book before bed, I try and always think, you know, maybe it's a long book or whatever, and. It's like, even if she wants to read the longest book in the world, like you said, there's going to be a day. Like I think about my son now. He's such a voracious reader. He's been reading by himself for years now. I'm like, I can't think the last time I read him a bed night, you know, a story before bed. Yeah. Like it just disappeared one day. Yeah. I I remember even when I was, you know, probably close to your son's age, nine, 10, my brother was a year and a half older than me and almost two years older than me. And my mom would, (laughs) my mom she always read, you know, we had this big book of bedtime stories and she would always come and read. Like it got to the point where we'd be like, oh, mom's coming. She wants to read. We're just like, Ugh. all right, well, <laughs> it won't take long. <laughs> oh, wow. But, yeah. So, I mean, I don't know. I don't know what the point of that is, but it's a good kids memory. grow up. <laughs> yeah. I think that's the point of it. They're going to grow yep. up. We grew up. We got to just accept it. <laughs> yep. Although when I was like 10, I thought I was grown up. Everybody yeah, does. Yeah, that's kind of how my son is. Like he's just been an old soul and, um, you know, I think he's matured so quickly. And yep. sometimes I, I look at him and I think, you have grown up. Please stop. Right. Chris, thank you so much for yeah, taking you. the time to chat. I've so enjoyed our conversation and I'm so happy that Spotify randomly gave me your song and sent me on this rabbit hole to, so I can now, you know, be a part of the Chris Cruzy fan. I was going to say fandom, and then I couldn't think of a better yeah. word. <laughs> fan Absolutely. circle. Well, if you want to shoot me an email or something after this, and uh, I'll, I'll send you the new record when we get done, and love to do it again, and we could talk about new music and stuff. Oh my gosh, absolutely. Yeah, that'd be yeah. great. And I hope, you know, I'm glad to hear that you're able to go record a record coming up here and yeah. continue to progress. And I hope that, you know, like you said, the professionals who know more than us, hopefully we'll be able to be back. You'll be able to be back on the road soon. And then folks like me can come see you. And yeah, you can't, I don't care what anyone says, you, we will never be able to replace live music. Um, I've nope. really enjoyed all these Instagram lives from folks. Um, but gosh, I cannot wait to get back to hear someone on stage. Yeah, it's going to be, it's going to be, you know, it sucks right now, but I think honestly, when we come back, I think it's going to come back with a vengeance. People are hungry for it. And me as a performer and other performers too, like we're hungry for it too. Like, so I think that, uh, it'll be, uh, no one's going to be burnt out when they, when we, when we start playing again. So it's going to be better than ever. I hope so. I think it will. Thanks for listening to We're Only Human. Before you go, I would love to know what you had for breakfast this morning. Just send me an email, tim at we'reonlyhumanpodcast.com, and let me know what you had for breakfast this morning. Thanks.